The tournament is in full swing and the action hasn't disappointed. Top seeds like Purdue, Ohio State, Tennessee, Texas, and even number one seeded Illinois have already fallen victim to underdogs and it isn't even the Sweet 16 yet. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, win $100. It's that simple. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook has 100 to 1 odds on select fighters for this weekend's UFC 260. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat. Horwat, how you doing today, buddy? I'm a little sore. I told you before we got started here that uh, we warmed up the batting cage yesterday after a couple of drinks, and well, oh, there goes my last tissue. Uh, I'm very sore in the shoulders, arms, and hands, actually. It's been a while since I've hit a ball, so um, yeah, and we were there for a little while, so I'm a little sore, but working through it. I'm also what tired as always yes (laughs) yeah i can kind of sense that from the fact that you had to find the word tired out of nowhere (laughs) i don't know i thought it was going to be all dramatic with it but then i figured i'm too exhausted for this i just want to uh not get this done i'm not saying we should just get this over with i'm saying just trying to get through the one work thing i have to do today and go back to the couch and watch basketball (laughs) well there you go we're gonna talk a little bit about the NHL and specifically, obviously, about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their three-game set that they just finished off against the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, Penn's Twitter is in a little bit of a, of a dumpster fire right now. People are people are not happy, and that's to be understanded. I mean, you lose two of three to a team like the New Jersey Devils. People are, are liable to get a little upset. So we'll talk about those three games and where the Penguins stand right now and what we see with the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. And then a little bit later in the show, we're actually going to do a midseason review and check in in our preseason predictions on the Pittsburgh Penguins, our individual New Year's resolutions, as we call them at that point. And then we'll finish off as we usually do on our Monday episodes. But if you're watching this live now, you know that it is Sunday. But the podcast version will be out on Monday, and our normal Monday episodes are finished with our Pens poll. So we'll get to that as well. But Horwat, let's start with the Pens Devils review because. Thursday night, the Penguins lose 3-2, to two, basically 3-1 to one with a goal in the last three seconds or five seconds by Brian Rust. Saturday, they were able to pull out the win at Prudential Center, 3-1, to one, one of the rare afternoon matinee wins for the Penguins on the Rock. And then Sunday, they lose 2-1 to one in overtime on home ice. 
overall, Horwa, let me just get your reactions first off from what you saw in this series. Um, by God, is it boring playing the New Jersey Devils? That's what I saw. All three games, I think it was bored out of my mind. Just it, it felt like a slugfest just trying to sit on my couch and watch these games. Mm-hmm. Like from beginning to end, even when the Devils were putting up three on us, I was just dumbfounded how much I'm sitting there not enjoying the game. Isn't this team supposed to be young, quick, and fast? Like what? That's what's up with the Devils? Are they just that bad? That's definitely what Neil said on our last episode when we were previewing this matchup. As he said, the identity of this team, and, and by Neil I mean Neil Villapiano of the Devil State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. He said. Listen, the, this team is a young team that has gotten a lot quicker. And listen, I I've, I saw it at, at certain points, but I think the problem was both teams were not very good in pretty much any of these three games. At the early onset of the game on Thursday, I, I put out on Twitter that if you're going to take any bets this weekend, take the under on all three of these games. And surprise to no one, the under hit on all three of these games. So definitely go to DraftKings the next time these two teams match up it's probably going to be the same thing. It's probably going to be a game that is low scoring at this point because these teams, not going to say it was a defensive stalemate because there were a lot of shots on goal and there were yeah. points where there was a lot of opportunities, but the Penguins and their Devils, neither of them wanted to finish any of their opportunities, it seemed like. Yeah, I. it was just, not like I said, it wasn't a slog by any stretch of the mean because it it is still hockey. It is still fast hockey because let's be honest, it's not the '90s Devils we're watching. That's fair. Or the we're not watching 2010. We're not watching the yeah. We're not watching the one quick player on the opposing team try and skate past Scott Stevens and he just kills them <laughs> to no call. It's not that hockey. It's not watching Martin Brodeur play all 82 games of the year when he's not letting anything in at least it is still something there is still some sort of speed out there Uh, but I mean I guess they're as injury riddled as we are and boy oh boy did it kind of show for the Penguins this week because the Devils looked like a team that uh, a fully healthy Penguins team could have just demolished Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely a case of the Pittsburgh Penguins were missing a lot of you know, there are four key players that they're out. At this point, the Penguins are a first line and then a bottom nine is where they're at. And shout out to producer Pigeon, a staple yeah. of the Hockey Podcast Network, saying plenty of ducks and penguins. You're missing a bird there, Horwat, and you're letting them down, man. I, I Yeah, I got to get a, what is it, the Rain City Bitch Pigeons? Is that the famous one Yeah, that Seattle was supposed to be? Yeah, the, the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. Also, a shout-out to Hunter Hodes of Locked on Pens, who was tuning in with us. How's it going, Hunter? He also mentioned a, a part here in, in today's game. that Let's let's talk about this first. I actually <laughs> wanted to talk about Mark Jankowski, and Hunter, thank you for, for commenting and watching and bringing this up. He said the best part from today's game was seeing Jankowski come in a, on a two-on-one and missing terribly. Yeah, I, I outlined that in my notes pretty, pretty quickly, that Mark Jankowski is not... I mean, we've known he's not good. He hasn't scored a goal on a goaltender since the first game of the season. But at this point, he's not even looking like he is a competent player. And we're still playing him right now as a third-line center because of necessity out of injuries. My question, Horwat, is watching these three games with Jankowski as the third-line center and Freddie Gaudreau as the fourth-line center, I guess, for lack of a better term, considering it looked like we had two fourth lines. But... 
is Gaudreau right now a better option for fourth line center than Mark Jankowski if all things add up to healthy? Um, It's very hard to say because we haven't seen Frederick Gaudreau enough, I feel mm-hmm. like. It's still been a very, I don't know how to put it, it's... It's not a it, it's not a long list of uh, games and gameplay yeah, to choose size. from with Goudreau. It's sample size. Those are the words. It's hard to make that decision whenever, you know, really, what what do we have to see from Goudreau so far? Like, mm-hmm. nine minutes to play in his first game. This is only his second, Third. right? He played all three of the New Jersey games. Okay. Well, then there's that. I, took, I didn't know it was his third game, for God's sake, so... It's it would be hard to say, but I mean at the same time, Jankowski has been that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you made the tweet from the from our account saying that yeah, Lafferty has been playing bad, but you can't like were you, what was the meaning of that tweet like saying that um, Jankowski and Aston Reese like are pulling Lafferty down um, in his game. It's a matter of deployment with that line, and there's I feel bad for Lafferty. To an extent, I feel even worse for Zach Aston Reese, and I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. I feel bad for Zach, or for not Zach Aston Reese, sorry, for Sam Lafferty because we all know what his game is right now. It is a pure speed game. He and that's but he can't play that game when he's playing with Zach Aston Reese and Mark Jankowski, who both look like they have a wagon hitched on them when they're trying to skate down the ice. And I understand. Trust me, I'm not trying to talk shit on Zach Aston Reese before anybody goes off. I'm not on me even. For that. But, I'm not even taking Aston Reese into this equation yeah. whenever I get my rebuttal. <laughs> but for Sam Lafferty, it's not helping him that he has to slow down his game, which is the only thing that he has is his foot speed. Right now, he can't do anything other than skate fast. And playing with those two negates that. So he is literally worthless if he's not allowed to skate fast. And he can't do that on a line with those two. Those two. That's what I meant by that tweet on Sunday during the afternoon game. The issue with Lafferty though, is like, yeah, his only the only part of his game is that he can skate fast, yes. But then B, once he gets the puck, it, forget it. It's it's getting fumbled around. It's not getting anywhere. Maybe it, there's a shot attempt. Maybe there's a pass attempt. It's not much happens when he gets the puck. So the speed doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. Whenever he picks it up, anyway, can he still hit guys? Sure, I haven't seen a lot of that recently, though. I called him a wrecking ball earlier in the year, and that's gone because I don't know what happened to him. Shockingly, you know, I said that Lafferty might be the worst one on that line, and that is surprising because Jankowski, at least Jankowski is kind of getting, kind of sort of getting chances. I mean, he had a two-on-one today. Yeah, he didn't capitalize on or do anything with it. We haven't seen Lafferty on a two-on-one, though. We haven't seen Lafferty really do anything. Yeah, and even you said a few episodes ago that um, Jankowski, I believe you quote-unquote used the word snake-bitten. Um, but, I mean, uh, you're not going to say the word snake-bitten if he's not at least kind of getting an opportunity somewhere. Yeah. So Jankowski at least ha- is having a little more puck luck than Lafferty is. So he's got that rolling for mm-hmm. him. I don't know. You made that tweet. I couldn't defend it. I said, I can't defend this tweet, and it's on an account that has my name in it. So I'm going to... <laughs> throw my two cents in yeah. just to say hey i'm not supporting this tweet but i i can understand where you're coming from with it too because lafferty's game is speed yes but boy he's got to fix everything else yeah. i mean first and foremost i texted this to you i want him as far away from this team as possible it's hard to do with the injuries you have right now it is i know that is but mm-hmm. i you know hey is he a better or worse option than drew o'connor at this moment who knows but drew o'connor shouldn't have been up here in the first place and i'll stand by that too yeah, it's the point being that right now Sam Lafferty 
is not gonna he not only is he not gonna cut it he's not gonna do anything good for you at this point right now the way that he's been playing and you can see it in his face too he's frustrated and i would be too if i was playing mm -hmm. the way that i that he was playing in the nhl right now now here's the thing with that line too i, I said a little bit earlier that i feel bad for zach aston reese imagine being on a line for basically a year and a half with teddy bluger and brandon tanev and in the matter of two games oh. going from that to now being relegated to a line with Mark Jankowski and Sam Lafferty. That is difficult on him, a guy that is not the play driver on his normal line. And now he has to play with two guys that are actively slumped, doesn't even cut it. It is tough for Zach Aston Reese to also play there. That's why I say it's the first line and a bottom nine, the way that the Penguins are constructed as of right now. Well, it, you can even add to the whole, it's hard for Aston Reese thing, considering he was hurt to start the year. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even playing with his normal line mates at the beginning of the year. He comes in, finally he gets healthy again, has some good game, has some good game with those two when they're when they're finally reunited, and now those two go down. Mm -hmm. So now he's left with this feeling of, I had a solid. I mean, how long he's been playing for? About what a month now, a little over. Aston Reese has played for a lot more than than just basically a month and a half at this point. He came back, okay, I thought, yeah. in mid February. I kind of totally forget. But I just kind of remember he started off the season hurt. Yeah. But he's come back and played fairly well because he had his time with his two normal line mates, and now it's back to this shit. It's doing nothing. Yeah. It's not good for him. It's not good for his development. Also, he doesn't pass the puck enough. Six goals and only one assist. <laughs> Sorry. Had to get the old man out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if the chances come, the chances come. Uh, nothing against his numbers right now. He's a bottom six person who if that's the way the numbers roll that's the way the numbers roll it's not like it's Patrick Line out there that's fair and, and to me I think scoring wise Zach Aston Reese has overproduced to, to his normal level obviously you see that he's already tied yeah. his number from last year when it comes to goals but the, the question at hand right now is between Freddie Gaudreau and, and Mark Jankowski and I know it's a, a little bit of a far way off but once we get Bluger and Malkin back if there ever is a time that that happens because the penguins injury situation right now feels like you know give a penny take a penny that's that's what it that's what it really feels like with the pittsburgh penguins but when all healthy i don't see a reason why freddie Gaudreau wouldn't get the opportunity at least i know that you're saying sample size but here's the thing we've seen sample He's size with jankowski size, yeah. it doesn't get much worse than what he delivers right now and i watched yesterday a video of every goal scored for the penguins in the 2016 stanley cup championship run all the playoff goals. Matt Cullen is in a lot of those highlights. Yep. I don't feel comfortable. Honestly, at this point, I don't feel comfortable with either, but I feel a lot more comfortable that Freddie Goudreau could at least do something along the lines of that. I don't think Mark Jankowski can pull any of that off. And that's a problem going into a very, right now, easier stretch. But after that, it's going to get more difficult again because you're going to have teams like Boston like New York, like Washington, again, that you have to win those games or else you're not going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it, that's really hard. I mean, yeah, we got Buffalo, but, it, but we got Buffalo on a back-to-back. -back. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying they're a good team. I'm not saying they're a team that we kind of have to worry about on the second half of that, but they're still a, an NHL hockey team that um, we will be playing a second game tired against. Mm -hmm. So... And they're still important games, but I mean, even after that, I think we play the Islanders. Yeah, that's when it. Islanders after, and the Bruins following that. 
Oh, yeah, after Thursday, it gets it gets a little more important, especially with the depleted lineup. Uh, yeah, Zucker is skating, which is good and cool. And, you know, good to see that. Can he play but... center? <laughs> exactly. That's the issue. It's not so much that we're getting guys healthy, which, uh, yeah, okay, it's good we're getting guys healthy, but at the same time, the center depth has gone. We all of a sudden turned into, who's, got, who's a team with bad center depth? The Oilers? Yeah, I mean, you could you could say that, but this team right now is missing. It seems like they're leveling off at four of their better players on the injured reserve right now. I mean, just in this series alone, Malkin, Bluger, and Tanev all go down. Yeah, we got McCann back, and honestly, I think McCann has played pretty well considering he's coming off an injury and he's thrust right into a second-line center role with somebody like Evan Rodriguez on his wing as well. So I think he, he's done a decent job, but... Like I said, it's you know, take a penny, leave a penny right now for the Penguins when it comes to the injury list, and you can't do that when you're a team that doesn't have the center depth that we have. Bluger was a big blow. Malkin, obviously, you know it's under it's not understated enough. We know exactly how big it is to lose Evgeny Malkin, but what are these injuries right now? Knowing that Malkin's out week to week, Bluger's out for an extended period of time. What does it do to your thoughts on this team's chances to make the playoffs in the first place? It's it's definitely a lot harder. It's a little reassuring that Malkin might come back before the season is over. Mm-hmm. Um, Zucker, I guess, was it him? I, I think it was him where it was the thought was he might not make it back before the playoffs. But now that he's skating again, I mean, things look positive there. Mm-hmm. Who knows how long that's still going to be. I mean, it's LTIR for him, so who knows. Bluger, I mean, you know, Bluger being among one of the more important players on the team, period. Uh, that one hurts a ton because it is the penalty killing uh, situation with him. I mean, yeah. We're going down with, you know, our two top penalty killers and Tanev and Bluger. Um, without those two, who knows what the hell is happening? Plus, do we have any further updates on on Brandon Tanev that we have to look into? He was a game time um, decision on Sunday and didn't even take the the pregame skate. So it it still seems like it's a day to day issue, but it's something that's a little bit more nagging than just a, a small issue. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he sat out says something. I'll try and look for it while I can. But um, beyond that, even if Malkin was still struggling and he had this injury, we're having the same discussion here because it is Evgeny Malkin. We're saying this is a huge blow to the team um, because he is one of the better players in the league when he is on. And he was on whenever you know we hit that point, whenever he got hurt. So he... It hurts the team. It hurts the team a lot. He was one of the better players going in. Him and Kapanen were firing on all cylinders. And now uh, Kapanen doesn't necessarily look bad, but he looks like he's missing a buddy. Yeah. You know, he looks like he's kind of looking for him. So it's not good for his situation either. Um, but you figure Kapanen is a guy that I've said a thousand times. He can play on any line. He can play mm-hmm. with anyone. He just kind of has to mold into it a little bit more right now. I mean, we don't know how long Malkin's going to be other than week to week, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and then Bluger just being Bluger. Also, Tanev down. It doesn't help. Do you want me to read our taxi squad right now, by the way? Because we don't have a ton of options. No, we, we don't got to get into that. I just I just particularly <laughs> want to know, do you think this significantly hinders their chances of making the playoffs this year? I don't think significantly mm-hmm. because, boy, yeah, the Flyers look horrendous right now that it might – if I just I just need to pull up the standings, it might turn into 
four teams fighting for a four-team spot, mm-hmm. if the Flyers really do just fall off the wagon, I mean, Sean Couturier going down doesn't help. So it might turn into a four-team race rather than a five-team race like we've been t- predicting all season. Um, unless the Rangers turn it around and take over the Flyers because they're only three points back of them now. So I think we're in a good spot. We're okay. If we're able to just rifle off some important wins, especially against the Islanders coming mm-hmm. up, maybe sneak one or two away from the Bruins again. Um, I think we're pretty good. We're in a pretty good spot. I mean, thankfully we have these Buffalo games coming up. Yeah. We just, we just have to play them correctly. We got to really take those two games serious because um, if they steal one from us, especially with our depleted lineup, that becomes troublesome. Mm-hmm. We got to win two in a row there. I, yeah, I know we're not going to win all eight against them. Somehow we've, you know, and what did I say? We're not going to win all eight against them or the Devils. Well, the Devils, we see where we're at now. We luckily have not lost to the Sabres yet. Um, and I'm sure one's coming eventually. It just cannot be these next two. Yeah, the Penguins definitely need to step their game up against Buffalo this week. It does help that they're playing in Pittsburgh, where the Pens seem to play a little bit better than they do on the road this season. But yep. given the series that we just watched, against the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, it hurts to lose two of three, but they also took three out of the six possible points, which is better than you could hope for when it comes to losing two games. Now, it's it, it does help that they got into overtime on Sunday. The team did not look great. They looked the worst on Thursday by far. They looked okay on Saturday, not great. And the same thing on Sunday to me. They looked okay, not great. And honestly, with the lineup, it is kind of understandable, but at the same time, you need something out of that bottom nine of forwards because we got one goal in three games out of them, and that was for Zach Aston Reese. The first line, on the other hand, I have no issues with the first line. They're taking the most significant minutes against the other team, and they went out and put out five of the six goals in those three games. Jake Gensel has six goals in his last eight games. He's playing as, as good as he possibly can. Sidney Crosby is doing Sidney Crosby things. He's back up around a point a game once again this season. Now, my question right now is, can they sustain this kind of carrying this team like they have been once teams like the Islanders, Boston, Philly at the beginning of next month start rolling into town and start rolling into games against those good teams? Because, yeah, we're playing a team like New Jersey right now where it is a little bit easier for that first line to keep them in the game. Now, we see they still lost two of three with that first line scoring five goals in three games, but with teams like the Islanders, the Bruins, the Flyers, do you think they're going to be able to sustain keeping the Penguins in this game until somebody in the bottom nine can help them out, or even a defensive player? There were no defenseman goals in these three games. The Penguins need scoring from somewhere else because that first line is doing it perfectly fine. Yep, first line looking great. I mean, we went into the season thinking Russ was going to be kind of staple to Malkin. I mean, that didn't work. But now here we are where he's playing phenomenally with Crosby. It's, you know, Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Brian Russ. Yeah. They look great. And beyond that, it is not it is not good that the bottom nine, nine, not the bottom six, the bottom nine is not performing to where it should mm-hmm. be. And that is really just a case of injuries because – you know, Kapanen is still there. He used a normal top six guy with Malkin, who's hurt, and with Zucker, who is hurt. So now you're kind of pushing up lines all over the place. 
I would have figured Captain would be able to take it to another level, mm-hmm. you know, to start. I mean, maybe he still has that chance to get there because he's kind of just trying to get used to playing without Malkin. Um, because he's gotten such a rhythm with him that, you know, quickly t- taking him out of it, maybe he just needs to get back into a rhythm with a new guy and know that he can play anywhere. Um, maybe he'll pick up the slack a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, Aston Reese might have to do stuff. Because after him, I mean, it's a bunch of guys that we were trying to put on the taxi squad at, at some point in the season. Unless I'm missing a name, which is very possible. But, I mean, Sevier, who, for what it's worth, didn't look terrible in these last few games. Kill, was a good spot on the penalty kill. Um, but we're trying to put him on the squad, on the taxi squad every chance we get. Uh, Frederick Goudreau, that's where he started. Uh, Lafferty, that's where he should be. And then if I'm missing one, Angelo, who normal Listen, taxi squad player is looking good. Angelo right now, we keep talking about how the Penguins need to go out and Hextall needs to go out and find a fourth line player or a couple fourth line players. I wouldn't mind having Anthony Angelo in my fourth line to start the playoffs. The way that he's played and, you know, it, it's tough to go out and, and buy a good fourth line. I know that that sounds kind of ridiculous, but look at what the Penguins have in the way of assets. You're not trading away... I mean, a third, a fourth, a fifth round pick, maybe. Yeah, you can get somebody. But right now, you have a bad fourth line. Do you really want to trade a fifth round pick to get a guy that's barely better? Maybe. But I have no idea what Hextall and Burke are going to do, so I can't really speak to that. Now, as far as this team goes, there's some good things to take out of their performance. We already talked about the first line. I think Gensel has shown that he is ready to be able to him and Crosby just put this team on his back and rust will do whatever he can with the rust ash and everything that goes along with that and his fantastic goal on Saturday. But behind that, the defense has had its ups and downs in those three games. There were moments where I couldn't look at the screen. There were moments where I thought they played extremely well and made fantastic plays. But at the end of the day, the reason the defense looked pretty okay. And the reason that these scores were so low that's because of Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari. Both of them, again, in these last three games, and they're going to need to keep it up. The Penguins want to continue to stay in that playoff hunt without all of these players that we already mentioned on the injury list. Casey DeSmith had a 960 save percentage on Saturday, allowed only one goal. That's pretty consistent with the way that he's been playing lately. In the two games that he played, Tristan Jari was 0-1-1, had a 2.5 goals allowed average, and a 929 save percentage. So these goalies are doing what we need them to do. The defense is playing all right. The first line is playing out of their mind. We just need some more production. We need more than one goal a game, which is basically what the Penguins have been sitting around at, 1.3 against the Devils, who they're not the greatest defensive team, as Neil mentioned last Thursday when we talked about them. Now we're going to have to see on this week in the back-to-back what happens with Buffalo? Because they're also not a great defensive team. You have to hope that some defensemen start to score. You have to hope that the bottom nine, somebody, maybe Jared McCann gets back into it. Kasperi Kapanen has been quiet, as you mentioned, since Evgeny Malkin has been out, which is understandable, trying to adjust to a new line mate. Mm-hmm. And McCann also at the same time adjusting the getting back into the game. But I really don't want to hear that right now because that's an excuse. All right, that's and fair. now is and listen. Now is the time that you can't make any excuses. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. It's it is later in the season. It is cracking the second half, mm-hmm. so the time for excuses are just about over, and it's time to start performing. And 
knowing what ton, what kind of team you're going to be going into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, is it, you know, and maybe it's not making a trade for a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's picking someone up off waivers. No, I mean, yeah, I get no one's been taking advantage of the waiver wire this year. Um, uh, Vancouver taking Jimmy VZ. That just made sense. That's a good yeah. player being put on waivers You should that you should be scooping up. Dan Kangursky made a good point today that maybe it was Travis Boyd got dropped on waivers today. Maybe that's a guy to go after. My hold back there is that uh, that's over the border, so it's going to take a little longer for him to get here, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. So do what you can there, I guess. I mean, Kangursky's tweet says he's a former Caps prospect, right-handed center, and plays hard defensively. Um, eight points in 20 games you know for a center yeah on this team right now you know what eight points actually that makes him oh with with malkin and cross or with malkin and bluger out eight points makes him i think the second highest scoring center on the team so maybe he's a guy you at least look at i get the waiver wire has been a bunch of nothing this year it's just been names that we discuss yeah in in conversations like this and then nothing happens because um, I, I think all GMs are kind of at an agreement that the waiver wire is kind of brutal because players have to go through it before getting to the taxi squad, which is what a lot of guys are doing to get around salary cap issues. Yeah. So I think maybe a lot of GMs are kind of just in this agreement of we're not going to scoop players mm-hmm. for the most part. But that's a guy that I don't think the team is too worried about, the Leafs, so maybe you do take a shot at it. I don't know. The waivers are weird this year, so if you have a free opportunity like that, you go for it. But I'm not saying take it. I'm saying take a look because, God, we need another center, and that's an easy way of getting one. I don't know his contract, but uh, it's something. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what Hextall and Burke's plan is, and I I know a lot of that kind of circles around the status of the injured players. You know, Evgeny Malkin we know is week to week. Zucker is skating, but he's still out indefinitely, so we don't know when he's coming back. Bluger, longer term as well. Tanev, day-to-day. So it's a matter of where those players are at and where they can fit in the lineup when they come back. But I want to talk about one more thing before we go to break really quickly. And it, it I just have a question, and I know P.K. Subban is a big case study for you, Horwat. He's probably one of your favorite <laughs> NHL players, I say facetiously. But what is the obsession between P.K. Subban and Sidney Crosby, I don't know who lives in whose head rent-free. Does Crosby live in Subban's head, or does Subban somehow live in Crosby's head? You know, I don't think either of them live in either of each other's heads because it, for the most part, is their game. Mm-hmm. To Crosby, it's his game to be the best in the world, to play at the top of his level. At this point in his career, it is Subban's game to be a pest. Yeah. Because he doesn't have the scoring touch he used to until he effing shows it against us. <laughs> he doesn't have that skating ability like he used to. He doesn't have the, you know, elite level talent that he used to. He just kinda has to find a new groove and he's finding it and just being a pest against the top guys on other teams. Yeah. I mean when Sammy Vatanen looks like a better defenseman than you, there's some issues happening. I'm not saying Vatanen's bad, but it's he's not he's not prime pk suban good and we all know how much pk suban is making right now to be on the new jersey devils so he's got to find his spot or else that's a guy that i could easily see being dropped to a taxi squad had his game looked like last season he was bad last year he didn't know his position because his game had just started to fall off 
he didn't know what he had to do and he looked lost mm-hmm. and he looked bad this would be a season where if that had continued i could see him being being dropped on this taxi squad and probably not clearing waivers but just doing the same thing somewhere else yes. i mean now i think that is his game as for who's in whose head uh, the, he's Subban's in mind because I'm still not I'm still mad at the whole 2017 Cup thing. Um, I'll leave it at that. How's that for your answer? Yeah, that, that's fine with me. I mean, just <laughs> watching this series, and it's weird because we haven't seen the Devils yet this year, and I almost forgot that PK Subban was on that team, and, and the yeah. way that he plays against Crosby is just it has to irritate Sid a little bit because Subban has kind of no regard for the actual puck whenever Sid's below the red line and the goal line with the puck. And I mean, it led directly to the game winning goal on Saturday. So I don't think Sid's really going to care as long as his team wins. But I mean, PK Subban at this point, like you said, is not a number one defenseman. He's getting way overpaid by the devils, but I, I think he does have a little spot in Sid's head. Not the, as much as anybody can. Cause Sidney Crosby is kind of an impenetrable wall of, you know, as long as my team wins, I really don't care. And it doesn't really bother him too, too much as much as it used to, at least I should say, because he used to be able to be flustered easily, but I don't know. It's a weird dynamic that we'll have to watch the next five times. These two teams play. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting dynamic. And uh, before we even move on past anything else, Oh, he's on the second line there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Playing with Dmitry Kulikov, who I had no idea was still in the league. Um, I want to because we brought up Neil a couple of times and we're playing against the we were playing against the Devils. Mm -hmm. I DM'd him during the Saturday game yesterday and asked him what's up with with uh, Blackwood is like like what's going to happen tomorrow. He told me it's most likely going to be Aaron Dell tomorrow. Hmm. Well, uh, all right. Thanks, Neil. Uh, seeing black seeing uh, blackwood in net for sunday really made me upset <laughs> yeah and mackenzie blackwood had a fantastic performance there's no other way yeah. to put it he played extremely well and made some really really high quality saves that if he wouldn't have penguins would have gotten out of there with two points in regulation yep. and not one point in an overtime loss but before we quit go to break really quickly i do want to talk a little bit about the newest podcast on the hockey podcast network we're all a little crazy with Theo Fleury, Darren Ravel, and Eric Cusson. Of course, the podcast is about mental health, sports, society, experiences, and education. It's going to be a great podcast. I'm very excited for it. We do have a presumptive date. The beginning of April is when this podcast will be out. We don't have an exact one, but presumptively, it will be out at the beginning of April. So keep your eye out for that. For now, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to have our midseason check-in on our New Year's resolutions for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to everybody that is tuning in live on Periscope and Facebook Live, and thank you to everybody that is tuning in on a podcast version wherever you get your podcast from. For what? On Season 2, Episode 9, which aired on New Year's Eve of 2020, we made some New Year's resolutions, both for ourselves and for the Pittsburgh Penguins, players, general manager, and coach as well. 
since we're past halfway into the season, I think we should take a, a, a checkpoint to see how good we are at setting goals for these guys. Because we didn't call them predictions, although we did kind of back them up as if they were predictions. But let's see how we did with setting goals for them. Let's start off personally, because I think it's a really important thing to do when it comes to self-realization and self-check-ins. And Horwat, yours was play slash watch more hockey. Do you believe you've done that so far? Uh, I definitely haven't played more hockey, I'll say <laughs> that. Because I totally forgot what I said um, during that episode. I remember that was my... Um, what, resolution? What's it Prediction. Resolution, yeah. I know that was my resolution for 2020, mm -hmm. so then I got debunked pretty quickly. Uh, have I watched more? Hard to say. Yeah. Hard to say. I fairly, I watch a fair amount of hockey on a regular during a regular year, yeah. so maybe I have. Maybe I've flipped on NHL Network a few more times than normal, so I'll go with, yeah, just slightly above average this year so far. My personal one was patience with the bottom six, and I feel like I've had that, especially considering the bottom six is now as we talked about in the first segment, turned into the bottom nine. So it's just patience with them. They haven't destroyed the Penguins' chances at a postseason this year so far. So I can't be too upset, but let's hope they get their button gear soon because otherwise the Penguins are, are not going to have really good outcomes. Let's get to their team. Yours hasn't happened yet, so we'll, we'll kind of glide over the fact that your New Year's resolution for the team was win a playoff round. Hell yeah. So we haven't gotten to that point yet. Fair, fair enough. You haven't gotten that stricken against yours. Mine, stay healthy. I think we all know how that's been. In the first 10 games of the season, the Penguins had used 12 defensemen. Now we've finally gotten healthy on defense, and now we're missing constantly four of our better forwards. So stay healthy is definitely something the Penguins have failed at as a New Year's resolution. Missing more man games this season, or at least being on track to miss more games this season than they did in the course of the Sidney Crosby era, other than one season, which was, I believe, the second season Sidney Crosby was in the league. So it, it's been a while since the Penguins have been this injured as far as a whole team goes. Yeah, and I did that um, quick research before uh, Saturday's game of whenever we found out Tana wasn't playing, I quickly looked into the last time a Penguins team had no one play every game of, in a season. Mm -hmm. Um one flaw in my research was that I didn't include players who got traded midseason because I didn't look that deep. Yeah. Uh, but the last time anyone who started and ended a season in Pittsburgh um, and played and no one played all 82 games was uh, Crosby's rookie season, 2005-2006, when Sid played 81. And I, I think it was Mark Recchi, I believe I texted you, was second, was 77. Yeah. So, and then there was... The one year that came close was um, – there was a couple of close years, obviously, but the one that I found very funny was 14-15 when the two people to do it were Rob Scuderi and Nick Spalling. Yeah, that was a rough team in 2014-15 to say, to say the very least. Yes. But so basically after last season when the Penguins were debilitated by injuries, we thought it couldn't get any worse. That's why – I said, stay healthy. That's your New Year's resolution. Well, it, it got worse. Much, much worse. So let's hope the Penguins can start to get healthy and stay healthy from the point that they're at. But they have definitely not met their New Year's resolution as a team that I gave them. 
We also gave New Year's resolutions for GM Jim Rutherford, so I thought it was funny going back and listening to that. <sighs> Mine was to keep your first rounders. He did not trade them away in the first seven games of the season. So that is a solid, solid, you know, good work on GM Jim Rutherford's part. Yours was keep your head straight. And uh, he did that. He kept his head straight and, and he did leave. And your other one you actually also gave him was don't get a rental this year. So let's kind of make a little pass through here. Do you think the Penguins shouldn't get a rental still with Hextall and Burke? Yeah, so that's interesting because there are obviously discussions of getting a rental could be useful this year with all the injuries we've been getting. Mm -hmm. uh, picking one up um, for one of our surplus left-handed defensemen, it might be useful to you know, pick up a rental for the bottom six, especially now. The other side of that coin is there's a lot of talk that we might not make any moves at all. Yeah big air quotes around that saying any moves at all there might be some minor like minor league moves or you know taxi squad moves it because these two new these two guys in uh Hextall and Burke want to evaluate the team and take the off season to kind of really dig into mm -hmm. it so it's really an interesting concept for that resolution especially the case with the case we're in now where it's new guys who might want to just look at everything yeah and not make any but there's definitely not gonna be a big move guaranteed there's not gonna be a top six guy shipped out for another top six you know it's if there is a move it's going to be minor or a left-handed defenseman i feel like so it's not going to be big, but I do enjoy that I said something like that, and I'm not shocked mm -hmm. because if this I going into a short season like this, and I still kind of feel it. You don't want to take a rental this year. It's just too. It's there's too many variables in it because you got to go through the quarantine. You have to, um, you know, send out a team on a team like this. You got to send out probably a useful player, uh, and then the cap situation, taxi squad situation. There's a lot of moving pieces that get involved with you know, taking a flyer on someone this year. So it's, I still kind of hold to it as to if they should or shouldn't, but at this point we might need one. So, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I feel like the thing now is don't overpay for a rental. The Penguins yes, might definitely. need a rental because of the injury situation that they put themselves in, but don't overpay for a rental. And I think Hextall has his head on straight enough to know not to do that, especially considering his background and just trying to build up a team through the draft and, and through prospects. So I feel pretty confident that he's not going to overpay for a rental. He might not go for a rental at all, but the fact that you had GMJR just saying, please don't do that uh, was great back on December 31st, whenever the, this episode that we're referring to first came out. Uh, we had Mike Sullivan, and I think we shouldn't really talk about it too long because we both basically said the th same thing and don't be afraid to switch lines and don't handcuff yourself. I feel like he's been forced to kind of switch lines a little bit, but also... We saw earlier in the season, Kasperi Kapanen starting on the fourth line. Kasperi Kapanen sitting whenever he wasn't playing yeah. to the level that Sullivan wanted. We saw Rust move from the second to the first line. We saw Kapanen go from the first line to the second line. So it feels like Sullivan is already doing that. So I feel like we don't have to kind of dwell on that too much. Yeah, no, it's he's looked he's been very fluid, and it's even in games we're seeing the line changes. Mm -hmm. We're seeing the trying to jumpstart players. So it's. Um, yeah, he's playing loose, which is good. It's what he kind of what we wanted from him was to really, you know, be fluid with that lineup, especially now, obviously. Yeah. So let's get into some of the players. The first player we talked about was Tristan Jari, and at the beginning of the season, I said that I wanted Tristan Jari 
to finish in the top 10 in save percentage and goals allowed average because it's something that he did last year and it would show that he at least proved to be the same level over a second season, if not improved the level he was at. Now, he's not quite there. It's funny because Casey DeSmith is actually in the top 10 in the NHL in goals allowed average right now, but Tristan Jari has started to play better. Right now, he currently has a 2.90 goals allowed average and a 9.07 save percentage, which if you look at the way he played at the beginning of the season, it's a lot better. And the way he's played in the past month and a half has shown that he is a much better goaltender than he was at the beginning of the year, and he's back to that all-star level, if not a little bit better as of the way that he's playing right now. So I think that he's done a good job, and I don't know if by the end of the season he's going to get there, but as of right now, he's working back towards it. And I think that's the big thing for Tristan Jari, that especially if he can get to that point by the end of the season, considering the beginning that he had, I think it'll be all that more impressive of a feat for him. And for you, you you said be consistent. And for what it's worth, I think he has been. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, slow start aside, I think since he's turned his game around, he has been fairly consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a goalie, it's kind of hard to be consistent. I think more or less you can lose games and still look good, i.e. today. And... Yeah, I think whenever I meant consistent, I think I really did mean just pulling in low, low scoring games, win or lose, just keeping the puck out of the net and not having the feel of you're going through these stretches of you're up here, you're down here. Kind of like how he felt last year where he had an iffy-ish start because it was Murray's net still and then he took it over, was went on this swing and then the California road trip happened. Yeah. That was that's never that's kind of what my thought process was behind being consistent is don't look like that, don't have your mountain peaks and then your valley lows multiple times. Yeah, he's been consistent with where he's at, and it, I like exactly what you said. When he was bad, okay, he was bad for a couple of weeks, and then he started to get good. And when he was good, he's been good basically the entire time. There hasn't been random Carter Hart games. I guess we'll start calling him wherever he gives up nine, eight, seven, six, five goals to the New York Rangers. So he has been consistent. I, I like what you mentioned there that he is what he is when he is it is basically, I mean, that's a weird way of saying it, but if he's playing well, you you can pretty much expect that he's going to play well in that game. But if he starts to play bad, he's probably going to keep that going. So he's been nothing if not consistent for Justin Jari. Now, we also said the same thing for McCann. I'm going to say incomplete grade and go right past him because yeah. we both said be consistent and injuries, multiple different injury stints makes it a little bit hard to do that so let's talk a little bit about mike matheson at the beginning i of the think season, i remember what i said for him. you said be worth it yep. it was about two weeks after the move so you were still a little sour grapes on it and you said listen be worth the move be worth the money you're getting paid and that's what you said his new year's resolution should be now i don't want to i don't want to kind of go too down on him because it's pretty hard to be worth a move whenever Hornfist is playing the way he's been playing and Matheson's contract is the way it is. But how do you assess him trying to be worth it to this point of the season in your eyes? Um, I definitely don't think he's all the way where I want where to where I would have wanted him to be, mm-hmm. to be my thoughts of worth it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I saw those clips of him flying up and down the ice in Florida, looking like a forward. I think I wanted to see a little more of that, but I mean, obviously we're seeing it. 
I think I wanted to see a little more finish on it. Now he just skates into the other end, and everyone else just so happens to be going for a line change, so he's down there by himself. Um, yeah, it's hard for a defenseman to be worth 4.875, my God, per year till the end of time. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rough one, but I think he could be worth it for this year. I'm not talking after this year because, I mean, hell, he still has uh, the no-trade clause kicks in next year. He's so – I hate this contract. Every time I look at it, I cry. <laughs> With him um, being worth it is never going to happen. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I think maybe I was hoping for like a shock the world type deal with him. Yeah. So. And listen, I, there were some people, including me, that were hoping for a shock the world type thing with Jack Johnson, and it didn't happen. And listen, that's it is what it is. But I think what makes it more difficult is one, the number is so much more egregious with Mike Matheson and the term. And number the two, term. I was for a, a Patrick Hornquist trade from the outset. Yeah. We all was were. Mike Matheson worth the Patrick Hornfist trade? No. That was a trade piece that if you're going to make it, there should be something decent coming back. And I don't think the Penguins got anything good coming back. In fact, they got a problem with Mike Matheson now. And they got basically a warm body with Colton Sevier. As much as I hate to say something like that about our own player, he's basically he's a warm body on the bottom bottom nine now listen he, yeah, he's healthy I, I and looked, that that's good but other than that he isn't much else yeah i looked at that trade saw matheson threw up in my mouth saw sevier <laughs> and went saw sevier and went you know what maybe a depth piece yeah that can do something yeah. well now he's a depth piece i can't do shit so i had I, I definitely had more confidence in sevier going in and yeah. going in after that trade i will say that than i did with matheson ironically matheson seems to be the better piece of it so far which is kind of what should happen but it's still not a phenomenal piece. I mean, I guess he hasn't been totally god-awful, mm-hmm. and it is a step up from Jack Johnson, if that's the comparison you want to make. But, I mean, I'll ask you now, is Cody Cece among this discussion we're about to have? He's not. We didn't make any We didn't make any New Year's resolutions for Cody Cece. But he would have he well, passed sh- whatever we would have said back I, then. I don't say we definitely should have, because I probably would have said be better than Jack Johnson. That was actually that's... my thing for Mike Matheson. And I still think he's he's beaten that, but he's definitely yeah, he's not definitely worth that. it. Whatever your terms of that is, I don't think he's been worth whatever. But yeah, both of them have been better than what Jack Johnson provided before and what Jack Johnson provides now. Yeah, so that's at least a step up. Yes. Because uh, I can remember going on in After Hours shortly after the CC signing happened. Um, I think it was Shane of Senzauer asked me, how are you going to buy out Jack Johnson and then immediately sign Cody Cece? And I immediately said, it is a step in the right direction because it is a, it is a better player, whether or not he performs to, you know, at the time, whether or not he performs to where he is now or stays the same, stays the course, it is still a better player and it is a uh, smaller cap hit. Mm -hmm. So it, regardless of how CC played, it was an improvement, basically. And now here, Cody CC is being one of our better analytic, analytical defensemen on the on the damn team. Yeah. So anything we would have said on December thirty first about Cody CC, he has surpassed any of the expectations we could have laid out for him. So that is a great thing. That is honestly yeah. one of the best storylines for the Penguins this season, in a positive way. Is the fact yeah. that Cody CC has kind of been a revelation for this team. Which, if you would have asked me on that day what, three months ago now, 
I would have never pegged that as one of the top storylines as far as performance goes. No, and I mean, I'm not at the point of re-signing him, no. but I'm at the point of, hey, we have gotten a good year of service at the right time. Yeah, when we needed it most, because even earlier in the season when the Penguins did have issues with health on the blue line, Cody Cece did have his injury, as per everybody else did, but he also has was there and was one of the more consistent players that helped us get through that. So that's all that we have on, on, on Matheson and slash CC, I guess. But I want to jump to a guy like Brian Rust. You said that his New Year's resolution was keep improving. Do you think Rust has done that so far this year? I don't know if it's improved as much as stayed the course, which is also good. Yeah, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because he's because staying the course for Brian Rust is being a great player. So, yeah, I definitely feel like he has stayed the course. As for improvement, I don't have the numbers in front, so I can't really say if he's on pace for this, that, or the other. Uh, but we know he was on pace for a career year last year, and that's kind of what we expected is something like that, maybe a little under. So he's definitely stayed the course. I don't know how much he has improved, but yeah. um, he's definitely at the point of I'd protect him at the end of the year when it comes to the expansion draft. And we're going to have our, our Seattle mock draft 2.0 coming up here in a week Ooh, or yeah. so, but I think Brian Rust is a lock to be protected. I don't, there is no chance at all that Brian Rust is unprotected going into that expansion draft at this point. He is one of the must protects for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, as far as our resolutions go, I'll slide mine in real quick here. Is I wanted him to lead the team in goals like he did last season, and I wanted him to get to the 30-goal mark because he played on only 55 games last year, almost notched 30 goals he had in the high 20s, but he's not going to get there, I don't think, this year. He has 11 goals already on the season, and he's not going to really lead the team in goals, I think, because both Crosby and Gensel are ahead of him. But... If, if you look at it, but he's up there. He's third right now. He is two behind Gensel and Crosby, but the way that those two are, are firing it on all cylinders, I feel like Gensel's going to end up leading the team for the second time in his career. But hell yeah, there has been nothing really bad about the way Brian Rust has played so far this season. I think he has been a really big bright spot. I mean, he's been more consistent than Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to this point of the season. I mean, Crosby has had issues in certain games this year. And that's going to happen. But Brian Rust really hasn't. Brian Rust has kind of been what he is. He's kind of went there and done what he had to do. So I've liked the way that he has played this year. And I think as far as you saying keep improving, he had a career year last year and he's matching those that performance. I wouldn't say the numbers, but he's matching that performance. And that is a great thing for the Pets. Yeah, 22 points right now. He's probably going to pass malkin in terms of points so he'll probably be you know number three in scoring on the team by the time malkin returns depending on what Latang does because he also has 22 but um yeah he's looked good he's looked like one of the top team's top performers and it's not so much an improvement like i said but as a stay in the course and that's exactly what we want as long as there as long as there is no decline with this yeah i think it's a victory yep and, and he has 23 points i guess that he has 23 now he had a assist on the crosby goal earlier today so he has 23 points. That puts him a point behind where Evgeny Malkin is so far on the year. And yeah, I understand Malkin's hurt. But if he continues to be a top five scorer on this team, then he's going to continue to be one of the most important players on this team. Let's get to his line mate, Jake Gensel. You said stay healthy. Okay, easy enough. Knock on wood. 
him and Rust are the only two that have played in every single game this year. Again, knock on wood that that continues to be the case. I said, prove you're an all-star. I had wrestled with some issues with this question after I went back and heard it. I said, do I think that he has proven that he is an all-star in this league this year? Because there's been moments where he's been quiet, hasn't really been as dominant that he as he was last year. And then I look at his numbers and I say, okay, 32 games played, 30 points. And then I think about the pass that he made on Sunday to Sidney Crosby and the deflection that he made on Saturday to score a goal and the fact that he's put off six goals in eight games and that he has constantly been one of the guys that have been a positive influence for the Penguins. And I think, yeah, he actually has. When I first heard that I said this, I thought maybe not. You know, maybe he he's just played at a decent level but not an all-star level. But I feel like he has if I go back and look at his body of work this season and all the big plays that he has made. Even back to the first win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who scored the shootout winner? Well, it was Jake Gensel. So I, I think he has met that New Year's resolution to this point, and I'd like to see him continue to do that because 30 points in 32 games is a great pace. It is a fantastic pace. It's almost an 82-point pace on an 82-game season, and that is above and beyond what we ask for from a guy like Jake Gensel. Yeah, I, my question to follow that up is, are you taking into account how they are doing a quote-unquote all-star situation this year? I don't. Is it the NHL that's doing that, or is it just EA? I never actually looked into it, but I saw like EA put out like the cards, like the all-star cards. Yeah. I haven't um, seen anything about all-stars, and to be completely honest, I really don't care about an all-star situation. But no, especially especially this year, and especially it being hockey, we don't give a damn. Mm -hmm. But there was um, EA Sports doing some sort of all-star card thing. Yeah, Hut All-Stars, uh, where the in the East it was Crosby and Rust. So yeah. There's that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the way that All-Stars are actually selected, but the, the level at which they're playing is what I look at, and I feel like Gensel has yeah, met that this year. So I've been very pleased with his play. Obviously, the last couple of games have been great, scoring goals, giving everybody half off Jake Shakes at the Milkshake Factory. Love the Milkshake Factory tweeting at us. That was pretty cool over the weekend. So anything to keep the Penguins fans happy and anything to keep the Penguins afloat in the playoff standings, and that seems like... That's Jake Gensel's job, and he's taking it very seriously and done a very good job of it. Yeah, it's yeah, he's definitely played at an all-star pace, and I'm not taking in that uh, hut thing into account. Mm -hmm. I just had to ask your opinion on that because you said all-star, and I think that's kind of what we're doing for all-star this year, kind of how the NFL did Madden for the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah. Right? Is that, is that what happened there? They selected a Pro Bowl roster, but they never played the game. Okay. that's. I think that's probably how it's going to work out with with this too but it's an interesting concept and it gets some sort of attention got, got, got mine yeah good in this in this day and age of not being able to bring people together uh yeah it's something to look at so let's get down to the big three because those are the last three players that we had Latang. let's let's not dwell on it too much because i said shoot more on the power play he hasn't done that so at this point i don't expect him to do that you said don't let the wheels fall off early in the season it kind of seemed like Ooh. he did but now he's gotten back to playing his style of game. So I'll let you speak a little bit on that. Do you, Yeah. He, how happy he are you that they haven't? 
really happy. I mean, I think it was February, however many games we played. I think he had like 11 points. Mm-hmm. I think it was like eight games or something like that. He had a, or at least in his eight games, I should say, because I know he was hurt at some point for like a game or two. But he's turned his game around completely. I think we were talking at one point of, man, Malkin and Latang need to figure their game out, need to turn it around. They both did that. Mm-hmm. Malkin's hurt now, but Latang is still here and is still, you know, it's not the same as February, but he's still pumping out some good games and still playing to the top of his potential and playing like the best play- defenseman in franchise history. Kind of. One of. At this point of his career. Being, he's definitely playing like he is the top defenseman on this team. Especially with Dumoulin back from injury and also he as well playing phenomenally. Yeah. So let's talk about the big two. Evgeny Malkin. He hasn't quite gotten to where I wanted his New Year's resolution to be. I said reach 700 assists. He reached 1,100 points. He passed Yarmir Yager for third on the all-time Penguin scoring list. I said reach 700 assists. He would have needed 40 coming into the season. He has 16 so far. So he's 24 shy. I don't think it's going to happen based on the fact that he's going to be injured. And we have about 24 games left in the season. So I don't think he's going to get to that 700 assists. He might. He might come back and go on a tear and just only get assists and Kasperi Kapanen becomes a 50-goal scorer somehow in a 56-game season. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. You said stay the course. Do you think before his injury, he was on his way to staying the course from his 2019-20 performance? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, that opening sucked and it hurt his chances and it hurt his... I did, like, uh, the midseason report card, as every writer does. Uh, But I did my own, and uh, I think mine, I gave him a B- minus because of that bad start. You can't give him an A like he's been playing recently because he had such a slow start and it kind of hurt things. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that he was able to turn it around and play great hockey in the last few weeks to a month or two. Uh, yeah, I'd say he has turned it around and remained pretty level and pretty average for his standards through a year's perspective. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say he has stayed the course and was on pace, not on pace, but on a turnaround to improve from the course. That leaves one guy left. And I think when you talk about Evgeny Malkin, yeah, he, he had turned his game around to the point of, I think he was getting to the level that he was at last year, and, and it sucks because he got hurt, and we talked about that last week, so we won't have to dwell on that too, too much. Let's talk about the captain. You said stay healthy, and relatively he has. He he is not eligible for the Iron Penguin Award because he did miss a game on the COVID list, but it was a false alarm. So he has stayed healthy. Knock on wood for the third time today. Hopefully that stays mine. I'm just going to you just close that book because it was nowhere. Cl- he's nowhere close to doing what I said he was going to do. <laughs> which, oh, yeah. Win the Art Ross and win the heart. He's not anywhere in the conversation for the heart, although I think it is way more of a realistic or real reality than the Art Ross, who is just being run away with right now by the two gentlemen up in Edmonton. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's meeting those preseason predictions for me but he has had a decent season Uh, by his own standards he is heating up right now he's kind of in those three games showing that he's going to carry this team as long as Malkin is out and his performance has elevated he has um, almost a point a game I'm pretty sure let me let me look that up real quick I think he's he's got to be at it I think he was at and around it 
he did also score today. So let me try to pull that up real quick. I have the wrong app. But he, he has performed as you would expect Sidney Crosby to perform. He is not doing what I, I said he would do when it comes to just coming out, taking this opportunity in a shortened season and doing something completely crazy, which is win the Art Ross and the Hart and take it from mm -hmm. a guy like Connor McDavid at, at the age that Crosby's mm -hmm. at. He's over a point a game. He has 32 points in 31 yeah. games as of right now. So always a, a label of consistency is Sidney Crosby. He's continued that this season. While I don't think he has a magical Art Ross run in him right now, I think he's also going to be one of the better players, and, and he's always going to finish in the top 10, probably top 5 of Hart Trophy votes. Uh, he'll definitely be up there. It's just it's such a hard season this year because you know, you're not playing everyone. You're only playing your division, and the Canadian division looks strange. It looks weak. Um, Let's let it let's looks, not let's not dance around it. it. It looks real weak in the Canadian division right now. It looks weak, but then there is Connor McDavid eating the world alive. Not, the whole and the we, whole not every player is weak, but the teams in that division as a whole, it, it's weak. Oh man. yeah, they suck. It, it's weak, yeah, terrible. Yeah, but still, so it's gonna be the the whole award season for the NHL is going to be beyond strange some i've heard a few uh writers say they shouldn't do it this year because of that whole situation but um you kind of have to you can just and, but the, do the uh, media thing and and then automatically write an article that says there should be an asterisk on everything this year that's fine but that was a real conversation someone said that they would have a hard time voting for guys like Connor mcdavid or austin matthews because they are playing these weak teams i mean they're playing matt murray 10 times <laughs> I can say that yeah. proudly and feel bad about it, but proudly. Yeah, the North Division is weak. It, it, the numbers are a little inflated, I think. But at the same time, it's what everybody's dealing with. It's what the season and the league is dealing with. If that's what happens, that's what happens. It, it, you still led the league in points. You still played the same amount of games or close to the same amount of games as every other team. Really doesn't bother me if Connor McDavid gets another Hart Trophy because let's be honest, if they played every other team, he'd probably still be a candidate anyway. Man is on pace for 100 points in a 53 game season. This is wild. 56. That's some Wayne Gretzky stuff there, right there. Har Wait until he gets traded out of Edmonton too. I ooh, hey, I don't want to see that happen. But with that, let's take another but quick break. It, when we come back, <laughs> when we come back, we'll do our pens poll and wrap up this show. Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. And he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he shoot checked over here. And then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trick. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. 
sports in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I think you're scaring all of our Canadian friends saying stuff about Connor McDavid potentially getting traded. Now, that might be a Darren Dreger type comment, but... We probably still have a couple seasons before Edmonton calls it quits on that. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Definitely a couple seasons, but I mean, eventually. So our Penn's poll for this week was, which East Division team, assuming the Penguins take a playoff spot, will miss the playoffs this season? So which of the other four teams would be out if the Penguins were in? The Philadelphia Flyers kind of ran away with this, and I don't know if this is recency bias because of how poorly they've played lately and that the fact that they do sit outside a playoff spot, but they got... 82% of the vote. And then the Capitals in second with 11%. The Bruins with 7%. Islanders got literally no votes. In an entire week, nobody said, you know, I think the Islanders could fall off. And that's even in a week where Anders Lee, their captain, tore his ACL and is out for the season. So the Islanders, I guess, Penguins fans have a lot of faith in the New York Islanders this year and have zero faith in the Philadelphia Flyers and that's good to know. The reason I put this out there is because I wanted to know what our fan base thought of the teams in our division. And surprisingly enough, they think very little, and not surprisingly, they think very little of Philadelphia this year. Yeah, I think very little of Philadelphia this year too. And it isn't so much because they're playing bad right now, which they are. Um, Carter Hart, who knows what the hell is actually going on there? Mm -hmm. What happened? Is he good? Is he not anymore? Is it? Is there still a chance he can, I don't know, be Carter Hart? Or did he get hurried into the league, which I've seen a couple of people say. It's interesting what's going on there. Now Sean Couturier is going down. I don't know for how long or to what extent, you know, but him not playing hurts to start. There's been a lot of talk of this team is a paper team they're good on paper and just can't perform their stars are old mm -hmm. in Claude Giroux and um Voracek and that their young guys are mediocre to good at best Couturier is great but now that he's hurt and has you know battled injuries for a lot of his career now um Konechny is only who Konechny is then who, who else is there? I, mean, I know I'm forgetting names, but whenever Brian Elliott is out here stealing you guys' wins, that's not good, especially when you have a guy like Carter Hart who is supposed to be Team Canada. Yeah. <laughs> He's supposed to make the Olympics and be the starter. When he starts faltering, it's not a good look for your team overall. Yeah, the fact that they have kind of relied on JVR and Kevin Hayes earlier in this season and – a lot on Joel Farabee as well, um, from what I've seen. This team is a team that came into the season looking like a very complete team, and right now there's just a lot of holes. I haven't heard of Oscar Lindblom playing all that well as of late. That, that defense, it seems like there's a lot of issues on that defense that were not issues at the outset of the season. 
So I'm not exactly sure what to think of the Flyers at this point. Are they the team we saw at the early part of the season where they're a pretty good team and probably a playoff team? Or are they the team lately who gets blown out 9 to nothing to the New York Rangers? So I'm not sure. And I understand why recency bias Penguins fans would pick the Flyers, but I think there's something to be said for the way the Boston Bruins have played lately. And then the fact that they have dropped the whole way down to fourth place in the East Division, I don't think they're as strong as they have been in recent history. I, I They're definitely not as strong as the team that went to the finals, and I don't think they're as strong as the team that won the President's Trophy last year. I just don't see the same depth that was there in those two seasons. And also, Charlie McAvoy is getting Norris votes right now. Oh. Or at least, you know predicted to get Norris votes right now. I don't see it. Whenever the Penguins have played the Bruins, I think Charlie McAvoy has been exposed more often than he's been playing good, like playing well. So I don't understand where that's coming from particularly. In, in fact, because he's taking over for an all-time great in yeah. Chara and Bob, give me a break. Yeah. And you know, the media loves a story and we do, we love a good story. He's, he's playing where Bobby Orr played. It's kind of necessary that a, the top Boston defenseman has to be in the discussion. Give me a break. I guess. I guess that's a reasoning. I, I saw the the trophy tracker thing, and honestly, the only player on there that looks like they actually are, are a legitimate contender to win a Norris trophy is once again Victor Hedman. Because he's leading defensive points. Yeah, but Victor, Hedman, Victor so much- Hedman is also a good, a good defenseman. Right, I'm not. I'm not so much saying the Norris Trophy goes to the best, to the uh, highest scoring defenseman in the league every year, but it kind of does. It definitely it doesn't hurt does. your chances. <laughs> I don't know how we got to this tangent, but yeah, the Bruins are, are not as good <laughs> of a team as they have been. So I think there's credence to the fact that they might miss the playoffs. I mean, who knows? That the Rangers might go out a run. Philadelphia might turn it around, and, and Boston might too, for, to be completely honest. But well, another thing with Boston, what the hell's going on with Tuukka Rask? Yeah, I, it, it's a very big question that they need to answer. Yeah. So the other two teams on this, the Caps and the Islanders. I mean, the Caps, before their loss the other day to the New York Rangers, were on a seven-game win streak and won every single game that Tom Wilson was out due to his suspension. So. They're on a pretty good roll. The Islanders have started to falter a little bit, but are still tied for first place in the division as of this recording. So, yeah, I understand the lack of votes for those two teams. So, Philly, as of right now, I understand seeing that. But looking at these teams and the way that they're built, man, I think I feel Islanders are primed to drop. I don't know how far. The Capitals, as much as I hate to say it, they're they're the best team in the East as of right now, even coming off of a loss to New York. They are the best team in the East right now. Honestly, I don't think... I think we look at the East, and yeah, it's a bit of a doghouse. I don't think it's as powerful as everyone expected it to be at the beginning of the year. It's not. It really isn't. And the reason that it is the... I still think the best division in hockey is because it's the most even in those first six teams even. You know, with the Rangers want to play, the Rangers are going to play. And honestly, as you mentioned, credit to you, you said when Artemi Panarin comes back, the Rangers could go on a roll. Since Artemi Panarin's been back, the Rangers have been playing very good hockey. I also didn't expect him to come back that quickly. Yeah, I guess Russian threats kind of die a little quickly whenever they're fabricated. But that's almost it. I did want to mention one thing. We talked 
on both of our episodes last week about Mike Sullivan and his career wins and where they're at. I did want to do a, a Sully stat correction here before we let the folks go for the first episode of the week. He is now second all-time in Penguins head coaching wins at 233. With the win on Saturday, he passed Eddie Johnston, and he's only behind Dan Bilesma, who has 252. So he would have to win 20 games the rest of this season with 24 left. I don't think he's going to get to that point. I, I don't. Sorry. I don't think the Penguins are winning 20 of their last 24. That'd be fantastic. But Mike Sullivan next season, if he's still the head coach, which is a very big possibility. I just got to throw that caveat. Don't give me that look. I got to throw that caveat in there. Because it became a real discussion at at some point for a couple of people. Yeah, you do have to throw it in there. Yeah, I don't, th I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think he'll be here next season. So I think we should expect that Mike Sullivan will become the winningest head coach in Penguins history next year. If it happened this year, that means the Penguins are probably going to go into the playoffs as a one seed. But I highly doubt seeing that happen. I just wanted to throw that in there before we left. Yeah, I think we would have had to have won uh, like 66 at least percent of the games. Um, but yeah, so... Good luck with that one. And you're mentioning Dan Bilesma. Uh, the ghost of Dan Bilesma is living on, apparently. <laughs> in, in the rustache? I, I don't know. I don't know how he didn't discuss this at all, but the mustache boy might be back. And, <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm saying I'm a little a little skeptical about it because of the end of Dan Bilesma's tenure here. Yeah, you are as superstitious as most hockey fans and hockey players. So I, I understand <laughs> your your criticism, not even criticism, your hesitation with that. <laughs> yeah just a little not much though he went out on saturday had a beautiful goal ended up being a game-winning goal so rustache as of right now is a positive for the penguins thumbs up this is a net positive we'll take it but that's gonna do it for today's episode of the tip of the iceberg like i said thank you to everybody that tuned in on our live stream on facebook and twitter and thank you to everybody that is listening back on the podcast version we really appreciate everybody who tuned in and let's hope the penguins go out and take both games against the Buffalo Sabres this week heading into after that a very big series against the Islanders so one game at a time let's look forward to the next game against Buffalo and let's hope that everybody has a good week including you Pens fans see you next time you can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky you can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere